And that's the biggest challenge a lot of people have with meditation, as you know. It's like they sit there and, and their thoughts are racing out of control. We call that the monkey mind. But through this box breathing practice, if I just did that for the first 10 minutes or 20 minutes of every 45 minute or an hour long sit, then all the thoughts would kind of calm down. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning in to this very special Veterans Day episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am honored to share our guest with you today. We're going to talk about Navy SEALs because U.S. Navy SEALs are America's toughest warriors. The training to become a SEAL is grueling and less than 15% make it through the nine-month process selection called Basic Underwater Demolition SEAL Training, an unparalleled test of physical stamina, mental toughness, and emotional resilience. And said Mark Devine not only made it through BUDS at 26, but he also graduated as the Honor Man, which is the number one ranked participant in a class of 170. Perhaps even more striking was that his entire original boat crew graduated with him that day. The odds of that happening by chance are literally one in a million. But that was no accident and the first of many elite teams that Mark built. Through his innovative seal fit in unbeatable mind training systems, including the Hellwig simulation, Kokoro Crucible, Mark provides the physical, mental, and emotional tools that allow not 15%, but 90% of his trainees that he coaches to lead and succeed the most demanding training in the world. He now shares these secrets with entrepreneurs, executives, and teams through his books, his speaking, his award-winning podcast, and world-renowned leadership and team events. The podcast I mentioned, the Unbeatable Mind podcast, has passed 10 million downloads and ranks in the top 10 on iTunes. He's made a gazillion media appearances with major networks, CNN, Headline News, Fox, CBS, ABC, and NBC. And there's so many more things that we could talk about, but we're going to dive right into it here, including getting into Mark's amazing nonprofit called the Courage Foundation. Mark, I left out a bit of your story there intentionally because I want to go into it. Welcome to the Daily Helping Veterans Day special. It is an honor to have you on the show. Thanks, Dr. Richard. Appreciate you having me. That was quite an intro, man. I didn't know a lot of that stuff about me. <laughs> I've given you a lot to live up to here, so <laughs> right? but I, I, I know that we will. So I, I always like to jump into people's stories, find out their why. So I want to start with why did you decide to, to try and be a Navy SEAL? What was going on there? And, and let's start there. I wrote a whole book about that, so I'll try not to like turn this into a 45-minute conversation on this one question because it's really very interesting and a profound period in my life. I was working in New York City as 
believe it or not, a certified public accountant mm. and getting my MBA in finance at NYU Stern School of Business. And uh, of course, the reason I was doing that was because it seemed like a good idea, right? Just like everyone else. I go, I go do the American dream. My parents you know, brought me up to be in business. We had a family business in upstate New York. I was kind of being groomed to come home to this. Not an insignificant family business, kind of a medium-sized thing. And I'd been around for over 100 years. And so I was kind of groomed. Like, this is, this is what divines do. Colgate University undergrad in economics, MBA in finance. And I was going to be a certified public accountant and come home and do the family biz. And then, because I was a, an athlete, and an um, endurance athlete, and a competitive swimmer, triathlete, all that, um, in New York, I was really striving to maintain my physical training. And as you know, it's, it's difficult to do that, especially going to school full-time and working full-time or part-time and full-time. And so I had this crazy routine. I would get up every morning at you know 5, 5 a.m. and run six miles. And then at lunchtime, I would go and um, go to the gym and do my version of a, a high-intensity workout. Of course, this is back in 1986, you know, 87, where we didn't have CrossFit and whatnot. But that put something together that worked fairly well. And then I had about two hours between when um, I could get off my job and the, the, the work part and the school part were aligned, meaning they um, sponsored me to go to NYU. And it was, I was with Coopers and Libran. And I had about two hours where I could um, fit something else in. And this is where I'm going to make the story shorter because I, you asked a simple question that didn't have a simple answer. So I was looking for something else to do. And I didn't you know, want to go for another run. I didn't want to go back to the gym. And so I remembered um, that my freshman roommate had gotten into a martial art at Colgate. And I watched him transform over the four years he was there. Whereas I was a competitive swimmer and I was older and maybe a little bit more knowledgeable when I graduated, but he had transformed. There was something different fundamentally about him. And I remember that being really intriguing to me. So I was looking for a martial art and I found one literally a several blocks from where I lived on 23rd Street in Manhattan. So I went into this school and I met the individual who became my first true mentor. And what the profundity of this is that he is a Zen master, but he taught his Zen through a martial art, through karate. So I took up karate without realizing that I was taking up Zen, quickly learned that we had meditation sessions on Thursday nights for about an hour. And I joined those, mostly black belts, a very small group of us. But the class, you know, there were hundreds of people at the school, but like 10 or 12 people would meditate every Thursday. That's still how niche it was back then. But I really started to love this. Had, you know, same challenges everyone else has with it, but I stuck with it because I really trusted Nakamura, which is his name. And then we started going to the Zen Mountain Monastery and spending long weekend retreats up there. And um, I just stuck with it thinking, okay, this is what warriors do, you know, and this is what, you know, I really trust this guy and it, it felt really good. And I started to notice some crazy things happening with my brain and my mind and my sense of self. And uh, I began to really penetrate kind of the story that I was living and to see that it was a false story. It, was a, it wasn't my story. It wasn't my beliefs that were driving that story. And I didn't really have a passion for it. It wasn't anything I felt any kind of alignment or purpose for. And so I started to ask different questions. And those questions led me to discover that I was truly meant to be a warrior and that I was meant to fill that 
in an aggressive kind of serve my country kind of way. This is well before I learned about the SEALs. You know, even then, uh, there, you know, back then there wasn't that much information about the Navy SEALs. We're talking about the mid eighties. Right. So I guess the, you know, to, to summarize this, my why for joining the SEALs was that I finally discovered my why, <laughs> which was, you know, my calling, my dharma, which was to be a warrior and a leader and to fulfill that in a way that, that I could be really passionate about it. And that was in alignment with my principles. And I discovered all those by sitting on a meditation bench. It didn't, you know, it didn't get handed to me. There wasn't some sudden insight. It wasn't because I saw someone else take that path. I didn't know a single person who was in the military. I'd never heard of the Navy SEALs until I started to go down this path with Zen. And then it all was revealed to me on the bench, which, you know, pursuant to your introduction of why I succeeded so well at SEAL training, one, I was completely in alignment. I was like, when I got to SEAL training, I was like, this is home. This is where I belong. And I had all the skills of a budding Zen master. You know, I wasn't a Zen master, but I, I could concentrate like a mother. I knew how to do breath control. I knew how to visualize. Um, I practiced those things daily. And I also had developed a lot of humility at an early age, um, coming off of a period in my teens where I was, I was somewhat unconfidently arrogant. You know what I mean? Where I was projecting uh, an aspect of myself, which, you know, when I look back was kind of unsavory, but sitting on the meditation bench and also getting my ass kicked on the karate floor really developed a lot of, a lot of humility. And so I went into SEAL training, not thinking that, you know, I was this badass person, but really knowing that my team was important, that I wanted to help them through, that I needed their support, that together that we would all get through this. And so I had um, these five skills, which have turned out to be like unbelievably valuable throughout my life that I developed through Nakamura. One is breath control, ability to control the arousal response and to really harness the energy of the breath. The second was the ability to concentrate deeply on a task. The third one is the use of visualization in several different capacities. One is to visualize, you know, when I was at SEAL training, visualizing my, my event, whatever evolution we we're doing, seeing myself, you know, in the practice and practicing the skill and knowing, you know, pre-rehearsing it, pre-rehearsing anything that go wrong. But also, um, and this is something I developed on the bench too, was I had created an image of who I needed to be in a future state, right? To be the best Navy SEAL leader and warrior that I could be. And so I had this image that I call future me now that I was always striving to become. And it was never complete, but I was always becoming. And I was always able to evoke that during the most difficult and challenging times. And this, and this image was me fulfilling my why, my calling, as an ideal human being, totally optimized. You know what I mean? Physically, mentally, emotionally, intuitionally, and spiritually evolved and aligned. And that turns out to be one of the most profound discoveries that I stumbled upon. And that was the third skill. And the fourth one, and this is something you hear from a lot of SEALs, is this 
intense ability to radically focus on the very smallest task and to chunk that task to the next smallest task and the next and the next and the next. Uh, but all of these tasks linked toward your larger goal. And so you could call that radical focus on micro tasks or micro goals. And then the fifth skill I've already mentioned is taking my eyes off myself and always asking, how can I help others overcome their struggles? How can I help my team get through this challenge? How can I help so-and-so, right? And, and the power of that was profound because by me serving my teammates, I had, you know, we had a small team and, and buds, seven, uh, seven total. I had six other guys who were, you know, really, really trusting me and taking care of my back, right? They got my back. And so the power of that was exponential. Probably went down a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but <laughs> no, the, the rabbit holes are the best best journeys. I I, I want to talk about these five skills, and, and you said that you largely learned them from your mentor Nakamura. But I am curious uh, because you come from a long line of proud CPAs. What was the reaction at home <laughs> when you announced you were going to be a Navy SEAL? Uh, yeah, as you would expect, <laughs> the phone call went something like this: "Mom, you know I'm going to be a Navy SEAL." Aren't though those baby kill those baby killers? I'm like, no, mom, and not baby killers. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? And then dad picks up the phone. And is like, what did you say to your mom? Like she's bawling. And I was like, oh god, this is not going well. So they weren't not happy. They were not happy whatsoever. But when I graduated as number one honor man in my class, they were in the audience and they were very proud. And, and they came around eventually, and they started to understand, you know, why I was doing it. They still tried to get me to come back to the family business when I left active duty, but... <laughs> you, you would have been a very uh, intimidating CPA with those skill sets, to be sure. Uh, but you, it, in all seriousness, it does speak to something. And a lot of the people on this show who have achieved great things, they echo what you shared in that instead of following the story put forth for them by somebody else... They discovered their own purpose and passion. And when those things were in alignment, they could really soar. So uh, okay. that's exceptional. I want to jump back to these five skills. And, and you said you largely learned them from your mentor. So you went into the SEAL training for the most part with these in place. Yeah. And they weren't the only one that was specific. Well, there were a couple that were specifically taught. Others just kind of evolved or came out, right? Because, you know, these are universal skills that every human being has. And they're in, the, they're in the field of consciousness. And if you sit quietly enough, you'll just, you know, everyone listening will discover these skills. That's what I did. And so, but, but also it helps to have guide and a mentor your trust. So the, I learned breath control from Nakamura, but the, the, the practice that I teach today, I did not learn from him. It, it just evolved. We call box breathing. It evolved that I was doing it. And then I, when I got into the SEALs, I knew I learned other, you know, special operators who were doing it, but they didn't teach it in the SEALs. Now they are, they're using a lot of our unbeatable mind stuff and teaching box breathing. But what I, I'd started doing it when I was meditating. See, Nakamura taught it as part of a karate training, right? You, you know, it, all martial artists control their breathing to induce certain states of power or calmness, you know, or, you know, um, internal uh, alignment, energy movement, that type of stuff. So there's different breathing practices. And um, what I noticed is that when I breathed in this really calm pattern, four count in, four count hold, four count out, four count hold, very, very systematic pattern, 
you know, of course, my breathing rate would slow down to, you know, three to four times a minute, depending on whether it's doing four or five seconds, which was very, very calming. And I learned that breathing through the nose, you know, led to the most calming state. And I later learned that's because you're activating your diaphragm fully, you're slowing the breath down, and you're massaging your vagus nerve, all stuff you probably talked about on this podcast, which was triggering the parasympathetic nervous system. I didn't know any of that at the time. I just knew that when I started my meditation in Zen, if I were to slow and control my breathing like this, that my body brain calmed down, slowed down, was relaxed deeply, and also that it, it changed the quality of my thinking meaning it, it slowed down kind of the high beta activity. Again, I didn't know that then. It got me into an alpha state. The number of thoughts subsided greatly. And that's the biggest challenge a lot of people have with meditation, as you know. It's like they sit there and, and their thoughts are racing out of control. They call that the monkey mind. But through this box breathing practice, if I just did that for the first 10 minutes or 20 minutes of every 45-minute or an hour-long sit, then all the thoughts would kind of calm down. That's when I also learned that the second skill, which Nakamura did not teach, but Zen teaches, which is concentrate just on that one thing. And if you can concentrate on that one thing, then you begin to really sharpen the focusing power of your mind. Your mind becomes more like a laser beam when you focus as opposed to a floodlight. And it just takes practice. And you just keep concentrating on that box pattern Every time you notice that you're not concentrating on it and you're wandered off into thought, it just come bring it back. And you find that over time, you stick with it, the amount of time that you're able to concentrate on that box breathing pattern to exclusion of everything else increases. And, you, um, and, and eventually it's over 50, then 60, maybe 70% of the time you're able to concentrate and you're not thinking. So that was extraordinarily powerful. So that was taught uh, somewhat by Nakamura, but again, not all the details. But again, through the practice of self-discovery, just day in, day in and day out practice, right? I became so obsessed with this training that I, I did it every morning and I you know, continue to do it every morning. I've only had one period where I interrupted it. And that's when I got off active duty and got into business as an entrepreneur and, uh, my decision-making really suffered as a result. And I, in retrospect, after you know, three years of that, I said, no way, I'm never going to not practice again. So I went back to my daily practice. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I do want to jump into that transition in a bit, but I would love for you to provide some clarification. Number three, the ability to concentrate. And I love that you shared two things. Number one is that we can train ourselves to extend our ability to maintain focused attention. And number two, you just backed up what science tells us, but 
so many people don't want to believe is that multitasking is a myth and we really need to be focusing on one thing. But what I would love to clarify, so uh, concentrating on a task and then step number four is the radical focus on micro tasks. So talk right. to us about like the nuanced differences sure. between those things. Concentration is a, is a mental power, a skill. When I am trying to accomplish something really important, then I need to know what to focus on. So the skill of radical focus on micro task is developing the capacity to quickly discern what's the most important target, what's the most important task amongst a range of literally hundreds of possibilities often or tens of possibilities. So it has to do with clarity of thinking, a situational awareness, being able to scan calmly because you built this fourth skill on the backs of the other three, a, a confidence in yourself because you've got that vision of, of who you are becoming and who you're not, right? You're clear about who you're not. You're not that person who's going to seize up in fear or in lack or limitation as a result of the stress that's around you. Now, think about a Navy SEAL. The stress is coming from bullets coming at you, people trying to kill you. And so if you suddenly collapse into the fear and you lose sight of your vision of who you are as a badass Navy SEAL, you know, with a strong team behind you, if your breathing starts to get erratic again, then your, your thoughts are going to get out of control and every thought Every breath has a corresponding thought or emotional pattern. Then next thing you know, you're completely out of control again. So first, control the breathing, control the thoughts, control the emotions. Second, maintain that positive, concentrated focus. And three, the imagery of who you're becoming and also knowing that you've rehearsed this. And then, and these all happen in simultaneously, by the way, once you, tra once you train them. Then the question is, knowing what's going on right now, and being able to scan, using my mind, my whole mind, to scan my external and internal environment, what's the single most important task or target that I can do right now where I can move forward and eliminate doubt? Because we understood in the SEALs that doubt is eliminated through action. You have, there is no one right answer. There's no perfect plan. But when the bullets start flying or I'm, I'm in a firefight, I've got, to I've got to take some action. In the SEALs, we say, we got to get off the X moved to a new perspective, you know, take cover and concealment, get the high ground, get, get the heck out of the danger zone and then recon by fire. If you have to, you know, to, to do something to get some feedback loop going. So that might be the first action you take in a firefight is just freaking move, lay down suppressing fire and move and then see what happens, right? See where the rounds are coming, see what, you know, what the effect is of your suppressing fire, start calling in support, you know, stuff like that. So you just take one action at a time. Because like you said, you can't, you can't multitask. But if you're a good leader and you're calm and you have a team, the team can multitask. Right. right? And that's why the power of a team is so much more than the power of any individual. And leaders who understand that can really unlock enormous, enormous um, energy because they get their team to be multitasking on engaging on multiple targets simultaneously. and. Um, and that's how seals dominate in a firefight, right? They're just they're just enormously um, autonomous in that regard, you know, to be able to engage multiple targets and get shit done. So that last skill is using your powers of 
arousal control, attention control, and imagery discern now what micro task is the right task and how to link that to the next and the next and next while staying broadly focused or what I call front sight focused on your overall mission objective. Now, that comes from metaphor for shooting. It's like when I shoot, the target's 25, you know, it's way out in the distance. But if I'm staring at the target when I pull the trigger, I'll miss the target every time. And people don't understand unless they've been in the shooting range. You don't look at the target. You look at the front sight, which is right in the edge of your pistol. So front sight focus means I've still got the target. I align my front sight up on the target. I can still see it, but I'm using my soft gaze, using my peripheral vision now. And then I focus with my focus vision on the front sight. So metaphorically, think about that target out there as your mission or your overall objectives for a project. Or let's say you're a vet who's wanting to recover from post-traumatic stress. That's your overall, that's your target that's out there. But right now, you got to focus on one thing that's going to move you toward that target. Otherwise, it's overwhelming. Another metaphor from Buds would be like, let's say we get to Hell Week. Everyone knows about Hell Week. It's seven days of nonstop training, six nights or six days, five nights. See, Sunday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, five nights and no sleep, around the clock training. And if you go into Hell Week with your target being Friday and you just keep focusing on Friday, then you're toast. So you've got to take your eyes off Friday, but know that that's out there, right? You can see it in your vision that you're going to get to Friday, but you're focusing with your focusing mind, the attention control is on what can I do right now to get me closer? And it might be just make it to the next meal or make it through this evolution. And it's been really sucky in the middle of the night and you're in the ocean. It's just that let's, you know, make it for the next two or three minutes, chunk it down to the tiniest little goal and just get there. And then when you get there, you make another decision about what's your next target. So that's how that fourth skill really turns the first three into execution um, power, really. And then the fifth skill is you're doing that not just for yourself, you're doing it with and for your team. So the team can achieve success and with their success comes your success. And what I love about these, Mark, and certainly you're well-known internationally for doing this in a corporate setting and creating exceptional leaders, it's very evident to me that these are appropriate as parents as well. Sure. Uh-huh. Which, which is fantastic. Have you have you had feedback from people who have utilized this, you know, e- either in their relationship with their significant other or with their children? Yeah, all the time. The first shows up with people saying, "You know what? Uh, I'm showing up as a different person with my spouse or or my family. I'm suddenly more present. Um, I'm healthier because you know." We also teach an integrated training model where I, met, I alluded to this earlier, where um, our clients are, they get this experience of embodiment that where they never turn back from looking at their body as an integration of physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and spiritual aspects. And that those aren't meant to be experienced separately and they're not something outside of us. They're meant to be trained and integrated so that we can experience life as whole or full. And also our mind becomes what I call whole mind, which was, by the way, an outcome. It's one definition of Zen or yoga, whole mind. And so a lot of my training because of the Eastern experiences of my martial arts and yoga training, which I've done, I've done martial arts since, you know, I was 20, but 
yoga probably since I was about 30, that we tra- when we train ourselves in this integrated manner and we use these big five skills that I've just been talking through, we've been talking through, you become more and more capable of deploying those skills because you're evolving your character in a vertical manner. And what I mean by that is this, this capacity or this, this urge to grow in that integrated whole manner and then to be able to focus using those new but very, very old skills of breath control, <laughs> mental you know, concentration, visualization, task orientation evolves your consciousness. And you become a greater, uh, greater, you have greater capacity to have care and concern for others, a greater recognition of your own um, shadow and biases to include distraction and anxiety and things that keep you disconnected or separated from your loved ones and your family or your team. And so you begin to just overcome those, eradicate those, you become more present become more loving, more compassionate, more inclusive. Uh, biases begin to be shed, right? And you start to see the interconnectedness in all things. And you become more world-centric. You move through egocentric stages, become more world-centric. And this is all just a natural outgrowth of the training that we call Unbeatable Mind. And, um, and this is what we offer our vets through the Courage Foundation as well. Three-day program where we introduce these and then we hold them accountable and we teach them with coaches and coaching and, and uh, swim buddies also for 12 months after that. And so by the time they're done with the program, we call it veteran integration program, they have evolved and they're much calmer, more compassionate, especially you know, toward themselves. And they show up healthier, happier, and more present with their family. So that's the first thing is you know, leading by example. And then because they are showing up this way, the family takes interest. And so you can't... F- feed anybody growth they have to really want it in order to want it they first the motivation first comes through seeing it in others i think or seeing what they don't like in themselves and then searching it for in others and mentors and it's amazing when that mentor can be a family member especially the parent so then um you can kind of sneak it in but also they're willing to to hear what you have to say because you're not force feeding something that they don't know they see that the, you're doing breath control training and they're like wow let's do that so so we have uh, a lot of students who start doing box breathing with their kids and they start introducing some of the second skills of concentration and positivity positive internal dialogue and positive self concept we call that feeding the courage wolf and with kids, you know, you have to make it age appropriate. And so we use metaphors and stories and stuff like that. And they begin to start visualizing and developing what we call your mind gym, which is just basically your internal capacity to hold imagery and to know how and why certain imagery is valuable and what other imagery is not valuable and, and to move beyond fantasy into uh, structured imagery. And then also, you know, to have dialogues about why we're here, like how we started this conversation, you know, help, help everyone understand that they do have a unique gift to bring to humanity. What an incredible thing. And I'm having these conversations with my son, who's 20, like, or 21, help him understand his unique gift. Cause I can see what he keeps gravitating toward, you know, and, and so I'm having these conversations about what does this mean about your why? Like, why are you on this planet? And, you're a really extraordinary human being. How could we kind of figure out, you know, this calling and passion and turn it into some sort of vocation for you? And so um, that's another way that this uh, 
this training has shown up with our clients and their kids and their families. It's really well, profound. It, it is. And I, I love that because these are skills that are not taught in the classroom. In fact, in schools, they're taught yeah. the opposite, right? We're taught mm-hmm. to go to go to high school and get good grades and go to college and get a get a major in something that might translate into a marketable skill to find a right. job. Nothing about what's inside. So right. I, I love what you're doing. And, and you did tease a little bit about Courage Foundation can we can we go back to that and just talk a little sure. bit more about it because I, I really want to shine as bright a light as we can on that and 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 feature that of course but as you're aware and most listeners are aware there's 22 veterans on average a day who commit suicide that's the number that is out there and what, whether it's accurate or not it doesn't matter it's just it's a horrific thought now I know there's a lot of other people suffering uh, from depression and suicide and trauma in the world, and I care deeply about everyone, especially in this COVID economic crisis period that we're in. Like, you know, everyone has post-COVID traumatic stress. <laughs> Maybe not post, but COVID traumatic stress. <laughs> CTS, it's a new thing. <laughs> Heard it here first. Hashtag That's right. CTS. Trademark right there. Um, but because I'm a vet. And I have a lot of friends who, you know, and, and not just in the SEALs, but I've seen a lot of people suffer from that. I thought, well, there's got to be something I could do. And I know that this program, Von Beetle Mind, has helped thousands of people, starting with, as you mentioned, I started SEAL Fit, which had an early version of Unbeatable Mind in it, to help create a new, more um, resilient and world-centric special operator. And we've, we've done that and we continue to do that. And now I'm really happy to see BUDS and pararescue and the Army and others using and teaching a lot of these skills. Some from me and some just because of the awareness, they're searching and bringing mindfulness in and breath work and imagery and stuff. But um, it's my work with civilians and entrepreneurs and business owners and moms and dads that has been really, really profound. And the transformations, as I mentioned, are are just legion, right? Everything from healing major um, diseases to just transformation of consciousness and shifting careers and alignment with purpose and you know evolution of consciousness. So I wanted to, I knew that this could work for military as well. And so many solutions out there are kind of one-dimensional or even if they're well-intentioned multi-dimensional services, their time frame is too limited. Vets need long, long-term support. And furthermore, um, a lot of these programs don't recognize or don't acknowledge that when these vets go back into their old environments, that they're, um, they're more prone to just get sucked back into the same patterns. And so they need someone to help interdict them and to guide them when that happens, to be there for them when they're about ready to fall. So we, I, I wanted to create a structure that would provide a new sense of team, a new sense of purpose and mission, as well as these tools that we've been talking about where they're trained in a deep immersive environment. So that became the veteran, uh, the veteran indoctrination or integration program. And um, I created a 501c3 called the courage foundation. So that that term courage keeps coming up with, and the wolf theme, you know, keeps coming. You see the wolf behind me feeding the courage wolf, right? That, that, ancient American or Native American story about the wolf of fear residing in your head and the wolf of courage residing in your heart, basically talking about your mind, 
And the natives would tell the, the young warriors that it's the wolf you feed the most that will dominate you. And so it's just utterly simply, simple but prof- profound, as you know, Dr. Richard. Most people never get out of their head. And so just by virtue of always being in your head, you're feeding the fear wolf because the brain, you know, left side, lefty, <laughs> left hemisphere, rational thinking mind is five times as more inclined toward negativity as is the heart or the right side of your brain. The right hemisphere is going to be more intuitive and spontaneous and it's going to it's going to receive messaging from your heart and your biome and your whole your whole mind, and as a community, you know, communicates across the corpus callosum with the left hemisphere. But if you're just taught to think rationally, as if your thoughts and emotions were who you are, and that's what, and then you're going to be negative. You're feeding the fear wolf. Even the Native Americans understood that. So we wanted to emphasize that that's the place to start right with these vets is stop you know how do you stop feeding the fear so there's some very practical things that we ask them to do is just stop listening to news stop listening to negative people begin a mantra practice and positive affirmation practice and then we work with them emotionally also to you know through um, therapeutic uh, you know partners to begin to look at the biases and the shadows and what's happening in their life that pre-existed frankly, their combat trauma, because what we've noticed is most combat trauma, you know, once you get beyond the physical aspect of the sympathetic nervous system being completely out of whack and you fix that, a lot of the trauma pre-existed the battlefield, you know, triggers. And so you've got to do that deep, deep emotional shadow work. You know, to tie it all together, we bring that five, that five mountain development. So we get them to start physically training again so they feel better about themselves. They're starting to sleep better. We get them off the drugs, <clears throat> you know, slowly. And um, we get them to eat better and we hold them accountable through a 12-month, you know, coaching and accountability program. Then we teach them these skills, which then help start to change their brain and change their thinking. They get out of that obsessive looping of the fear-based mind and they begin to really connect. They open up their right hemisphere and they begin to connect to their heart and start feeding the courage wolf, right? And when they do that by having courageous conversations, by doing courageous things, by, you know, the processes that unfold naturally through the box breathing, concentration, and mindfulness practices, and they just start feeling better. And then we work with them uh, to find purpose and meaning again and to create a new mission and uh, to find a way to serve again because all vets want to serve. That's what we try to do. The challenge we have as a nonprofit is, of course, fundraising because we're, rel- we're pretty new. And our skills are in training and transforming people, not in raising money. <laughs> And so we've, um, so far, the, the foundation is three years old. We've, we've had one cohort. This cohort, it's not cheap, right? So it costs us about a quarter million dollars to run a cohort of veterans through the VIP program. But it has been profoundly successful. That first program, you know, we had an 80% success rate. That's awesome. Transformation. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can do something to help you guys get some more cohorts. We're going to do a couple things. Number one, and we're going to have the link to it down in the show notes on the dailyhelping.com. If you donate $49, 
you are going to get access to the $150 version of Mark's online training, which is awesome. And we're also going to do something really exciting with our friends at Your Success Insights. And they have an assessment called Powers, which is the predictor of world-class excellence rating scales, which helps highlight strengths and obstacles and bring balance into people's lives because you need balance to be able to successfully navigate life as a parent, life as a business person, an entrepreneur, whatever you do. And if you use the code FEEDCOURAGE, and that's at seekyourpowers.com. If you use the code Feed Courage, half of the proceeds are going to go straight to the Courage Foundation. So we'll we'll have that in the show notes as well. But but hopefully we can generate some excitement and, and get more than a few cohorts going for you. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Dr. Rich. That's that's huge. And Absolutely. all the listeners who support, thanks so much. And that is back feedcourage.org is our um, URL for the foundation. We will we'll link to everything Mark Devine and Courage Foundation in the show notes for sure. Mark, unfortunately, we're at time. And you know it's been a great conversation when you look down at the clock and it feels like 10 minutes and it's been over 30. So I'm very grateful for our time together. As you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guests, what is your biggest helping, that single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Everything that you're searching for in life lies within you. And the way to find that is to slow down, to take control (laughs) of your conscious process of breathing, and then let the breath bridge between the physical outer world and then into your mind and then your spirit. And just follow the breath in. And once you're in, there's no going back. (laughs) That's awesome. And you'll find your answers. You'll find your answers about your purpose in life, why you're here, and and what you can do about it. And then just take action. I love it. I love it. Mark, give us the URL for your nonprofit one more time. Feedcourage.org. Feedcourage.org. And then you can find more about me at markdevine.com. Fantastic. And we will have links to everything Mark Devine, as I said, in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Mark, this has been a fantastic episode, an important episode, and I want to thank you for sharing your time with us today and coming on The Daily Helping. It's been an honor, Dr. Richard. Thanks so much. I appreciate you for doing what you're doing. I appreciate that as well. And I also appreciate each and every one of you who chose to listen to this episode. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that's what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 